0: So in our bulletin, it is listed that I'm going to do the Old Testament reading first and the second, and second the, tes- the New Testament reading, but I am going to swap those two around. So I'm first going to do our New Testament lesson. Um, but before we start with that, let's say a prayer together. Will you please join me in prayer? Living God, help us to hear your holy word that we might truly understand that understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience seeking your honor and glory in all that we do through Christ our Lord amen so our first reading this morning is out of the New Testament and it is out of Luke 6 verses 20 to 23 hear now the word of the Lord then he looked up at his disciples and said Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. before we start with Old Testament lacing this morning, I want to give you a little bit of background on the sermon and on the text that we are going to read. So usually when we read the Bible, we read and we listen to sermons um, to tell us and to look at what is present in the text. So we look at the content of the text. We read the text and we ask ourselves, who are the biblical figures that are present in the text? And what is the words that are present in the text? And what is God saying to us through what is in the text? But today I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. And today we are going to read the Bible asking, what is missing in the text? More importantly, who is Missing in the text and How does God speak to us through what is missing in the text? Now as most of you know, we are currently busy with a series on the prophets in the previous weeks We have looked at prophets like Habakkuk and Hosea and Jeremiah and these are all really well-known prophets important prophets so important that entire books in the Bible were named after them. But today we are going to look at a lesser known prophet, the prophet Miriam. When I started to look at information about female prophets for my sermon today, what I found was, well, not much. We don't know much about female prophets, about what they prophesied, about their lives, and in certain cases, we don't even know their names. So with that in mind, let us now turn to our Old Testament reading. The first one is out of Exodus 15, verses 19 to 21. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Our second Old Testament lesson is Micah 6, verses 1 to 4 and verse 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise. Plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Prophets, so much written about them in the Bible, so much space, especially in the Old Testament, devoted to this group of people, and yet we read so very little about the female prophets, like Miriam. Now, it is no secret that women have been expected to be submissive to their male counterparts throughout history, and the biblical times were no exception to this. There are many, many biblical examples of women being treated unfairly and being mistreated, and women definitely occupied a much lower position on the social hierarchy scale than their male peers. Women were expected to be obedient rather than assertive. And so it would be easy for us to assume that the lack of content about the female prophets is a result of women in biblical times not entering into leadership roles like that of the prophets. And so it comes as a surprise then that female prophets were actually widespread during both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some scholars even think that there might have been more female prophets than male ones. Other non-biblical texts that come from the same era seem to support this thesis, since we read a lot about female prophets in general and about specific prophets like Miriam in these texts. And so it seems like it was nothing strange for women in biblical times to serve as prophets. In fact, not only did they serve as prophets, but there is evidence in the Bible that shows us that a figure like the prophet Miriam played an integral leadership role in the history of Israel and specifically during the Exodus out of Egypt. We saw how Miriam is mentioned alongside her brother Aaron and probably one of the most well-known important biblical figures, Moses, as part of the leadership trio that God sent before God's people. We read that Miriam led the people in dancing and in singing, and that she commanded them to sing to the Lord, to glorify God's name. When Miriam was exiled in Numbers 12, the people refused to carry on without her, their leader. They waited for Miriam. Miriam was an important biblical figure and an important leader, and the Israelites looked to her for leadership. So it was not a lack of female prophets that is to blame for the lack of biblical content about female prophets. The problem rather was that their voices were not taken as seriously as their male counterparts. The lives, the leadership, the prophecies of female prophets were in light of their male counterparts seen as less important. And so most of it was left out of the biblical tradition. Because you see, that is after all what happens in societies that prioritize some voices above those of others, some information simply goes unnoticed. Some people and their influence get hidden. And so the biblical writers and compilers were influenced by their culture and society's tendency to hide certain groups of people, and in this case, women. Even though it was recognized that God speaks through both male prophets and female prophets, It seems as if the biblical writers and redactors expected more radical, important things to come from the male prophets. When male prophets spoke, they listened. And when female prophets spoke, they hardly noticed. But friends, aren't we also conditioned to expect God's word to come from certain people more than others? Aren't we also conditioned to only expect God in certain places and to work only, or at least mostly, through certain people in our society? It is not necessarily that we think that God cannot speak through anyone. We just don't really expect God to. Now, I know that there are women sitting here today who have experienced their voices being taken less seriously like those of the female prophets. To this day, women often still feel like our voices are just not taken as seriously, and we have to work so much harder for our voices to be heard. I'm a female pastor. I know it is not always easy. And so it is important to acknowledge this and to address it, but you see, both in our society and societies around the world, there are many groups of people whose voices are seen as less important, not only those of women. And so it is all those people whom society pushes to the fringes and conditions the rest of us to think that they have no contribution to make. It is all the men and women who we simply think we have to do charity towards and help, and we have to. But we sometimes forget that they also have a contribution to make and something to teach us about the kingdom of God. Our society and culture also conditions us to listen to some voices more than others, and in so doing, we often do not show up expecting God's word to us. We do not expect God to speak through the hidden figures of our society. But friends, we are missing something big when we do this. Because you see, it is exactly these hidden figures that the gospel tells us the kingdom of God belongs to. We read this morning in Luke 6 that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor, to the hungry, to those who weep. The gospel tells us that it is the hidden figures that the kingdom of God belongs to, to those people through whom we do not expect to hear God's voice. In fact, it almost sounds like if we want to hear God's voice, The hidden figures are the place to start. Because you see the hurt and the tears and the anger of these hidden figures is a prophetic message highlighting the ways in which God's kingdom has not fully yet been realized here on earth. It shows us where injustice lies and where we need to turn from our sinful ways to love our neighbors as ourselves. The hurt and the injustice that these individuals face are a result of a sinful society who does not love all of God's people the way that we should. And so whenever there is someone in society who is being discriminated against, who is not loved, who is not thriving, it reminds us that the kingdom of God has not yet fully arrived, and it calls us, to strive towards a world where God's kingdom is more of a visible reality for all. Whenever we see someone who is excluded from society, we should in fact expect to hear God's voice. God is giving us a prophetic message that we need to move away from our sinfulness, away from our unloving ways of treating others who are different than us as less than away from our unloving ways of treating others as hidden figures. God is telling us us that as a society, we are not living according to God's will. And so God speaks to the homeless woman who lays her head on the plants of our church's garden to find some rest. And God speaks through the LGBTIQ youth who walks out of Jasmine's doors just down the road because they were rejected by their family. God speaks through the old man with memory issues who cannot afford the support that he needs. God speaks through the refugees who are residing here in our neighborhood after they had to flee their own countries. God speaks through each and every woman who is taken slightly less seriously than her male peers. Because you see, the suffering and the heartache of each and every one of these people that we encounter reminds us that although we have made good strides toward a more just and equal society, we still have a long ways to go. It reminds us that we so easily exclude those who are different from us. Hidden figures have something to teach us about our sinfulness, prejudice, participation in structures that serve to oppress others. Hidden figures serve as a living prophecy, calling us to let go of our sinful ways and to participate in God's loving movement towards God's people. Before Brian and I moved to Jacksonville, I worked as a chaplain in a hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. And in this hospital, I worked with all sorts of really, really sick people who faced all sorts of life-threatening diseases and situations and with people on their deathbeds. And when you work in a hospital setting, it is impossible to remember all of the stories and even all of the names of the patients that you see in a day. But then there were the few patients whose stories and names I will never be able to forget, even if I tried, and I have. And you would think that I would remember the patients who made a miraculous recovery, or the patients whose whose faith remained steadfast throughout all of their troubles and suffering. You would think that I would remember the patients with whom I got to spend a lot of time with and that I really got to build a relationship with. And don't get me wrong, those were often the patients who carried me through the many, many really hard days working in a hospital. But the ones who stuck with me were those who came into the hospital as a nobody and left the hospital still being a nobody. Those who were forgotten by our medical system and our society. The ones who came in with circumstances that my mind could not even begin to fathom, not because they were more sick or more hurt than the others that came in, but rather because on top of their illness and hurt, they had to deal with no support and with the challenges of being a hidden figure in our society. It was the undocumented immigrant who came in after a terrible work accident. I don't understand or speak Spanish, but the desperate cries of his wife who didn't understand understand any English, will forever remain with me. Por favor, mi amor, por favor, please, my love, please, she begged him, don't leave me. But for her, there was no happy ending. Her husband died. She could not afford the hospital stay or his funeral, and his boss, who didn't even bother to come to the hospital, would not pay her her husband's last paycheck or other money that he owed him. It was the woman who came into the emergency department after she was set alight by her husband after a disagreement. Many, many burned victims came through our doors, but the redundant repetition of yet another victim of gender-based violence coming through our doors and the realization that her story is not the exception The sin of a society who repeatedly allows this to happen. That is what was revealed to me and what sticks with me to this day. The knowledge that even if she survived her first night in the hospital and after that her months long stay in the hospital, she would have healthcare needs for the rest of her life that she will struggle to meet because she is a hidden figure. Society doesn't provide sufficient care for hidden figures. They are forgotten. It was the patients who left me feeling so hopeless that revealed to me how far we have to go to make the kingdom of God more visible. It was the patients who left me feeling angry because of the injustice that is so. Often overlooked in our society. Those hidden figures, those patients, God spoke through them to me. God revealed my shortcomings and the shortcomings and sins of our society that would otherwise have remained hidden to me. God sent them to me to share this prophetic message with you today, here, now. And more so, God not only revealed these sins to me, but God motivated me to look for ways to help these people. God used these patients to move me to action to fight against the injustice and inequality that we see all around us. When I talked to these patients, I could hear the voices of the prophets like Isaiah saying in chapter 1, verse 17, learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed. They might have been hidden figures in society, but they sure were important enough to God to use them to speak to me and to reveal to me the brokenness of our society. Friends, it is these hidden figures who remind us of our own sinfulness and more so who motivate us to look for ways to help these people and to fight against the injustice in our society. Hidden figures with a prophetic message. They are all around us. The question is, do we hear them? Do we see them as good enough and worthy of teaching us something do we look at them expecting that god is going to reveal something to us through them because friends if we don't we are missing god's word to us amen